Hey there, this is Galen, not all your host of the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. So here's the deal. I love having a positive impact in the lives of others. And one of the main ways I do that is as a financial planner. But wealth is not just the money side of things. It's also health. It's also relationships. It's mindset. So that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah, you're going to get a good dose of money knowledge, but I'm also going to interview people who are all about mindset and health and wealth and relationships. So check it out. And if you are a doctor, so I'm going to give you a link. And if you're not a doctor, I'm going to give you a link. If you're a doctor, be sure to go to galenhelpsdocs.com, G-A-L-E-N, helpsdocs.com. Check out my free video series on financial planning for Canadian doctors. If you aren't a doctor, you're still an awesome human being. You can go to gnutall.com, which is G-N-U-T-T-A-L-L.com, and download your free 30-minute guide to Canadian financial planning. So, welcome to the show. Check it out. Enjoy. All right, Sabrina, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me, Galen. I'm excited to be with you today. Yeah, absolutely. I am pumped for this and Mm -hmm. I will intro you and if I'm missing anything, add to it. But really for anyone who's watching, Sabrina and I have known each other for a couple of years now and we met in the sphere of personal development. And I feel like one friendships form very quickly in those arenas, I feel. Uh, when people are learning all about how to understand the world and how they relate to it. So Sabrina and I luckily crossed paths a couple years ago. And then recently, um, well, I guess it was about a year ago now, I went to one of your workshops, live workshops, and it was phenomenal. So I definitely, you know, since then have been like, all right, we need to talk a bit more about this topic of relationships, of busy professionals and how to manage their relationships. Um, So yeah, so for anyone like Sabrina knows her stuff, it was a very powerful uh, seminar that you gave the time that I went to it. It was amazing. So Sabrina, tell us what else we should know about you. Awesome. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Sabrina LaVista, and I'm a professional love and dating coach. And you know what I basically do is, like Galen alluded to earlier, I, I've led live uh, dating seminars for women, and Galen actually came to one of the, the women's dating seminars um, as like an observer. And I also recently launched the men's dating seminar back in February. And what I primarily do is I do one-on-one coaching for women and a few good men. <laughs> and I've started to actually um, uh, offer group coaching, which has been phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, But really what my work is all about as the CEO and founder of the Love Train Company is I empower people to find fulfilling romantic love that lights up their life. So they already have the answers. They already have the tools. And I'm just there to guide them, mentor them, and coach them to reveal what's already there so that they can create the relationships that they deserve. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And uh, I love it. What was your, if you just say it again, the mission, kind of like your mission statement there, like to help people. Yeah. I empower women and men to find fulfilling romantic love that lights up their life. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. I definitely have to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And so one of the things is, I mean, uh, that I love hearing from people who are doing something very unique. I mean, I don't know, personally know anyone else who's doing something like this. You know, what led you down this path? I mean, you know, was it, is, is it like, you know, when you were a kid, you said, I'm going to grow up and be a love coach. I mean, like, how did you end up doing right. this and helping people with this? 
Well, that's really, that's really funny. No, I did not wake up like when I was five years old and say, gee, I'm going to be, you know, a love coach for women and men. No, that's not, that's not how it happened. Um, how it happened is I went to um, a personal and professional development program and I, like you, Galen, that's where we met. And after about two years of intensive personal and professional development, what I noticed in, in the group that I was when I was in a leadership course, and it just kind of struck me being in this leadership course that there were so many single people. There were just so many. In fact, I would say like 60% of the people in that course were, were single. And first of all, nothing wrong with being single, nothing at all, you know. Um, but these were really powerful individuals. They were making huge differences in the world. I mean, they were starting companies overseas. They were empowering women in their own rights, you know, women to go into the political arena or even just starting their own businesses. These were really, these were really empowered people. And yet this area of their life just wasn't working or wasn't working the way they'd like it to. They were disempowered, often upset, would spend a long time, you know, on dating apps or having conversations or dead end relationships. And I just noticed there's just so much suffering in this space. And, you know, I have my own, my own story of, um, of, of sort of relationships that didn't work. And currently I'm married to the most amazing person. And I know that I went through quite my own personal journey to get where I am now. I just, something in me said, I have something to offer people in this space. And, uh, and I went for it. I just, I, at that point, I started interviewing so many people. Um, I started asking them, I started just getting curious, like, what is it that you're struggling with when it comes to dating or relationships? I literally put out a single post on Facebook saying, if you're willing to speak to me, I'm willing to buy you a little drink with, with a little umbrella in it. <laughs> and I'm sitting here and I'm just so curious to know what your experience of dating is and I got like 50, 60 people responding to me. And I spent basically three months just talking to lots and lots of different people, you know, people who were in their 20s and never been in relationships, people who have been divorced, widowed, you know, the whole range was there. Um, and then at first, Galen, actually, it's really funny. I thought to myself, I know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make an app. I'm going to make like the new dating app. This one's going to be, this one's going to be awesome. It's going to be so different than all the others. And this will solve all the problems, right? This will, the, the, we, the world just needs a new dating app. But the more and more I started speaking to people, the more I discovered that it's not going, it's not the thing that's going to solve what's going on here. There's a lot of things going on here that's producing so much suffering in the space. And a lot of it is, there's just stuff from our past that we haven't put back there that we're still dragging. It's like baggage that we're bringing into our new relationships. Um, and it's causing a lot of grief, <laughs> a lot of struggle. So I, instead of focusing on creating like a product, like an app, I started really focusing on one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. And, and then that grew into developing um, the seminar in which I could touch, you know, and inspire more people at the same time. Very so cool. that's a little bit about 
yeah, how I started out. And it's been been two years now. I've been running Love Train Company for two years and I'm like heading into my third and it's just growing from here. So and yeah. and the interesting thing, so I went as you mentioned, I went to uh, your workshop, uh, your dating workshop, and certainly mm -hmm. Uh, it's a very powerful workshop where you take people through a very specific sort of series of, of ideas and ask very specific questions. And I know we can't condense all of it, you know, you know, we can't go through it all step by step. But what I was thinking about was condensing it and maybe specifically for, you know, I mean, certainly uh, I have a lot of uh, empathy for busy professionals who are in a relationship, but maybe you know, very, you know, like, I mean, a lot of my listeners are physicians. So, you know, odd hours, potentially, um, potentially a lot of stress, uh, you know, if they're both professionals, you know, hard to manage schedules, maybe there's kids in the mix, you know, so mm -hmm. I find that, um, I mean, one of the things I'd love to talk a bit about is, you know, what is it, what are some tips or some ideas for people who are in the relationship, and they are struggling to find either time to spend together or they're looking to reignite some of that and you know those original feelings that they had when they were dating or when they were getting to know each other um you know is that possible years down the line like is it like what are what are what's the approach to that so what you're getting at is that 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 piece that you were getting at um about having a really busy schedule and sort of despite that schedule, fitting in, you know, your dating and love life and reigniting what was what was once there. And I find that that really interesting that you brought that up because it's just that kind of perspective, actually, sometimes that we don't notice that makes having a really juicy, fulfilling love relationship really hard because we have it that being really busy is like and and having a relationship can't happen at the same time <laughs> and i'm actually here to say that you can't have it all you know it's not despite of it's i have a really busy life and i want fulfilling love i can actually have those things together and so when you start to look at it through that lens with your partner there's more there's possibility that can arise from that okay yeah we've got we've got kids We've got car payments. We've got a mortgage. We've got a schedule. We've got to wake up at 6 a.m. And, you know, I'm, I'm committed to you. I'm devoted to you. And from that space, you can actually start to look at how to make things work. So um, just, to, just to go a little bit further in what you were, what you were creating, um, I'm a huge fan of the the five love languages the book by gary chapman have you heard of it i'm sure you have. oh yeah no it's yeah it's definitely from very lucky a friend introduced me to it years ago uh just kind of randomly it's like galen have you ever read this book it was like i have no idea what you're talking about so no and mm -hmm. i've ever since i read it huge fan yeah it's it's really it's really it's really interesting because my my husband well at the time he was my boyfriend uh when we were dating he actually gave me the book like we were had just been dating for a couple of, of weeks at that point. And he was quite bold and said, look, I really like you. I, I think there may be something here for us. And I would like you to read this book. You know, I'd love you to read this book. And I'd like you to share with me what you got from this book. And I'm like, you know, I, I've been, I had been dating for a few months at that point. I dated a few guys and nobody had ever 
and no one had ever said, Hey, I'm actually curious to know what, what, what lights you up, you know, how, what your love language is. And that yeah. already like started something in me, right. For him, like started that attraction. But the idea of the, the five love languages is that there's a way in which you express love and there's a way in which you primarily receive love, right? And so Gary Chapman talks about those five, what like five specific love languages that we all innately have, okay? And so they may arise from like your background, your experience, how you were brought up in your family. Maybe you saw how your parents expressed love to each other, but in a way it's like kind of like a blueprint for how we best acknowledge love and so what they are is words of affirmation okay the acts of service uh spending quality time uh physical touch and giving gifts okay so chances are you are you associate with one of those more than the others and sometimes people like have two that are in tandem with how they best sort of receive receive love. So for me, it's spending quality time and acts of service. Those two things, when my, my, my partner does those things for me, okay, when he literally, when he takes out the garbage <laughs> and when he plans a date and it's just the two of us, for me, it lights me up. I just feel, I feel loved, okay? And there's another aspect to this, which is the love tank. As Gary Chapman writes about that all of us have, like it's almost like a gas tank that we all have. And we have that gas tank that can be full at times and it can be empty at times. And it's all in relation to how our partner expresses love to us and how loved we feel. So when you're talking about how partners are struggling to reignite love, it's really a question of, do they feel loved in their relationships? You know, that's why um, love goes out in relationships. Um, it's because they, someone, or maybe both people don't have the experience of being loved and their mm. love language hasn't been attended to, okay? So, you know, another thing that I want to, I want to say about the love language is such a powerful book. And for any one of your audience that is really looking, like you said, to ignite the spark. Um, one of the thing I want to, I want to say about that is because doing the opposite of what your partner's love language is. So if, for example, if their love language is acts of service, right. Or their love language is rather um, words of affirmation. I wanted to really point that one out. You know, for example, if, if your wife really loves when you comment on her, on her hair, you have amazing hair. <laughs> your hair looks great today, honey. What did you do? You know, a comment like that will send her just on cloud nine. She'll be so happy, right? Or you did a really great job at that presentation today. I know you worked really hard on that. Now, that's great. And that actually fills her up and lights her up if that's what her love language is. But doing the opposite of that would be making snide remarks or your hair looks weird today. <laughs> or yeah, maybe don't do that with your hair anymore. Or I don't know, you, you're stressing out over this presentation. Like you got to chill out, babe. You know, those kinds of comments, although they may seem really, you know, 
like you know frivolous to you they may actually they're they they're like puncturing the love tank they're actually taking away from her experience of yeah. feeling loved by you well it's interesting um it's definitely yeah i mean it's key just like i said it was just a couple years ago that someone introduced me to this and uh, to the five love languages and it's helped me understand uh, my wife it's helped me understand my kids uh so my son is um uh physical what's it called physical physical touch physical touch yeah, yeah. so he's yeah. a big hugger i'm a big hugger yeah. we're always hugging yeah. and when he uh does something like um you know like when he gets my daughter upset he wants to give her a hug and she's not physical touch mm -hmm. at all and that's yeah. how he wants to make her feel better. And she's like, yeah. no. And I told him, I was like, you have to understand that's not what works for her. You know, I was like, yeah. you guys have the, and I even say it, you guys have a different love language. Um, you know, hers is quality time. And so I'm just saying to him, like, and, and when he wants a hug and she doesn't give it to mm -hmm. him, it's really hurtful for him because that's yes. his act of love. And I'm like, and I always say to him, like, I will always give you a hug no matter when, not just because it's mm -hmm. my love language, but I understand it's his too. And it really is, um, just like you said, I mean, and I'm glad you said the both sides of it, like how much, how helpful it can be to speak it and how hurtful it can be to do the opposite. Just like the physical one of like, oh, I'm not going to give you a hug, like withholding that hug to my son. It's just, it. like, yeah. it's just like brutal to him. Whereas mm -hmm. my daughter could give two craps about whether she gets a hug or not, <laughs> like she could care mm -hmm. less. Um, so that's a big, and I mean, one thing I'll quickly say also is, I mean, there is a quiz online where you can take the quiz, just like the book, definitely I recommend it because it goes into like lots of depth about it. But to quickly find out what it is, you can Google the quiz and find your results quickly. Um, my wife and I have taken it several times to kind of remind ourselves. And it kind of ranks your different languages to find out. And like, so for example, my wife and I, gift giving is like at the bottom for both of us, which makes life yeah. a little bit easy because neither of us care about <laughs> gifts. And quality time is high for both of us. So we know that that's the thing. And I guess the next thing, one thing that I've always struggled with, with the love languages is just like a language, like I default back, you know, English is my principal language I speak other languages but English is the principal yeah. so I'm always going to think in English I'm going to like count in English so how is it like how do you consistently remember to speak someone else's language when it's not your own I find that to be like the hardest part of the love languages yeah so that's a great question that is fan like I love how you worded it like it's not my language it's her language and I have a very different one and how do I continuously um speak a different language when it's not my default okay so that's perfect so what i would say to that is galen i want you to remember what it was like in the beginning of your relationship okay when you first met your wife okay it was like maybe the first year right what was the experience of first meeting her and dating her and courting her can you share that yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we're, we're going back a ways here. Uh, so yeah. basically it was um, emails and a letter here or there. This is pre-cell phone. It was down in Venezuela. You know, I didn't have a phone at all even. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a lot of um, emailing, a little bit of texting later on. Um, when we hung out, we were always out and about because we didn't live in the same city. So whenever we met, we were out doing things. Um, but yeah, I'd say definitely a big part of it was um, writing was like, you know, writing things in email, writing letters. Um, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and just, I remember sort of it being top of mind, like, 
So yeah. basically back then I had very little access. I only had access to a computer once a week. So on Mondays it was like, I'm going to send her an email. And I had to basically wait another week to get an email back. <laughs> it sounds like the stone age right now, but right. that was the, that was the reality of it. So then I was also inspired to just write letters and like, so I was always kind of in the back of my mind thinking, okay, what am I going to write her? You know, what am I going to, what am I going to write down? And actually it was pretty funny. The timing of this is recently she found a lot or kind of was going through some stuff and found like this stack of letters that's now, 20 years old um and kind of took a picture of them and posted them on social media wow so you would say the experience at that time was one of anticipation mm -hmm. and uncertainty oh yeah right mm -hmm. and uh there was a longing for the next time you would oh, be yeah. speaking to her right for sure yeah and you know for a lot of couples that's 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 the experience in the first you know one or two years. And the other piece that you said is really, really important to answer your question is it was a priority for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the top of mind for me. And, um, and we all know, we all know the famous, you know, sort of professional development guru, Tony Robbins, right? He said, he famously said, mm -hmm. if you do what you did in the beginning of the relationship, there won't be an end. So somehow along the line, you know, the spark goes out when we have all the administrivia of our everyday that sort of settles in, right? We start having children, we start paying mortgages, we start, you know, having a really busy schedule. These are all natural, natural things that progress you know, as you start to build your relationship into something bigger, right? A bigger, a bigger thing. You're, you're building a family. But what actually occurs is you stop um, putting the other person first in a way. <laughs> and they kind of like take a backseat to um, how it was in the beginning. For sure. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example actually for um, your audience, which are primarily like in the world of financial planning. So we want to give an example of financial planning in the sense that when you are planning for your retirement, right, what you want to do is actually pay yourself first. <laughs> you want to actually put aside a percentage of your income that will be put into a special account and over time, you know, it's going to build over time. And when you retire, you'll be able to access it, right? What we sometimes do is we pay all our bills first. <laughs> we pay the mortgage first, you know, the, the cell phone bills. And then there's not enough to actually put aside for savings for retirement. Now, I'm actually saying those small investments that you make over time to the final goal of retirement is like you got to you want to think of it as a, it's sacrosanct. I don't touch that. I don't change it. I might, you know, put less or a little bit or a little bit more, but I don't give up on it. It's not something that is negotiable for me. And so when we're looking at your spouse and the relationship with, with your, with your partner, it's not very different in that sense to financial planning it's a real question of commitment and priorities. And when you're planning a date with your partner, that's the thing that goes into your calendar first. <laughs> you know, it's like when you're planning your weekend, for example, 
it's like, okay, my date with Emma is going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. And that time is sacrosanct. And all the other things around the schedule, like that's important, but it's secondary to that time that I've dedicated to her. So it's kind of like you plan your love life first and your business second. That's what I'm getting at. Well, and I like that because really what it sounds like to me, I mean, and I like how you tied it into the finance side of things (laughs) in that, um, you know, making it a priority first. And I think there's two things that have kind of come into my head. One is it's almost like, um, it's almost like uh, when, when Emma and I were getting to know each other, it's like, well, we were dating. That was a different phase. Now that we're married, it's a different phase. Yes, it's different phases, but just like you said, like, what are some of those things in the beginning that was lighting the spark? It was that anticipation. It was the, you know, the, the maybe not knowing. Whereas now, I mean, like in our case, we both work from home now. So, I mean, there's like, there's zero uh, built in anticipation of just about anything because we're just around each other all the time. (laughs) And then, uh, so kind of creating that. And the next thing you said that I found fascinating was just, um, Putting, to, putting together some sort of an accountability structure or some sort of any structure that's working in my life around other areas, be it finance or working out or, you know, t- the more, you know, like the mortgage, you know, you got to pay the mortgage, got to pay yourself. And then anything in my life that I'm making time for, mm-hmm. got to do the same thing um, for the relationship as well. Um, because by default, it's not likely going to happen. Yeah not like all of a sudden I'm going to say, we're both going to just say, oh yeah, we both have half an hour free right now. We're going to go like do something like it's not going to happen unless we plan for it. So Mm -hmm. I like that idea of taking it. And I think the one thing I'd say around some resistance people might have around that, it just doesn't sound spontaneous or it just doesn't sound, uh, you know, maybe as romantic because it doesn't have that, 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 that sort of, um, that tinge of, of, oh, it's spontaneous or whatever, which doesn't mean you can't have spontaneity, but I like the idea of like making sure it happens, like treating it like something that's as important as anything else that's scheduled in the life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, imagine, I want you to consider that if you don't put that time in and you haven't made that time, like I use the word sacrosanct, it's unmovable, it's untouchable, it is there, you know, over time, just like your retirement savings, your love tank gets empty. Your gas tank is no longer full. And so whether it was spontaneous or not actually won't make a difference anymore because your partner won't have the experience of love. They won't have the experience that you love them um, and vice versa. So less concern about it being spontaneous or looking a certain way, more focus on this is, we're doing this, this is happening and putting an actual why around you're doing it. I'm committed to you. I love you. I want this to work. That has to, that's the thing that has to come first. So. Yeah. And I like that idea of tying it back to the why. Um, because it does make sense and also makes sense in the, in the sense of financial planning because people aren't <laughs> as likely to stick to something if they don't have a core reason to do yeah. it or a vision of why they're doing it if it's a very mechanical thing um yeah. it, they're just not as likely to get excited about it they're not as likely to do it so i like that a lot the getting back to the uh to the why That's um why. yeah mm-hmm. and so that. Um, I mean, maybe we could talk a minute about that. Like, what's an example of that? I mean, like, okay, so I'm carving out this time, you know, and maybe it's obvious to everyone but me, I don't know. But like, what what could be an example of that core why of why I'm doing this? 
Well, it's like, why do you want love in your life? <laughs> why would you want the experience of love? And I, uh, I want to put something in about, about love. Um, love is not something you get and it's nowhere that you go. It's actually something that you give and that you give over time. Love is a verb, right? Um, so people have it that, you know, I must get somewhere or get love before I give it, right? And what's actually true is the opposite. The more you give it, uh, the more you actually get it back. <laughs> so, you know, for example, and what is, what is uh, Emma's love language, do you know? Yes, it's quality time and acts of service. Yeah, so I want you to consider that quality time and acts of service for Emma is how she feels loved by you, okay? And so how would you then get curious about what those things look like in her life? Like, what are some questions you would ask her? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think going to the theme of going to the theme of the early days of the relationship, like what are some of the most memorable things we did um, when we we're dating? And um, I mean, I will confess that Emma and I do have like a standing walking date every day where we go for a half hour walk where it serves the purpose of yes, spending time together and also decompressing a bit from our different entrepreneurial journeys because we need, no longer have commutes anywhere to decompress. Um, but yeah, That's asking, great. you know, like, um, and, 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 you know, really uh, asking what's, what would she like to do? What would she um, be interested in doing? If, if, if we could set aside time to do anything, what would it be? And um, one thing I'll say really quickly about the love language is a lot of times couples have opposite love languages, which is interesting, yeah. um, which I forgot to mention in the beginning. But um, I, and I mean, I will say one thing very early on in our relationship was pretty funny. So mine is um, physical touch and uh, words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, words of affirmation, I think is pretty low on Emma's. But um, I remember when we got married, I was like, oh, you never say you love me. And she's like, well, I do love you. I don't need to say it. And at the time, it didn't make sense to me at all. Like, because I was like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. And I partially because in my family growing up, we always said, I love you a ton to each other. Like, it was just what we did. And um, mm -hmm. when I picked up the Love Languages book, it finally hit me like, oh, it's, it's a completely different language. Like, and for me to expect her to have the same as me would be like me expecting someone from another country to speak the same language as me yeah. and being upset if they don't, which would be very irrational. Uh, so um, anyways, I just want to do that side side note real quick because oh, it is no, a, thank you, it is thank an you for putting one. that in and i thank you for putting that in because most people don't have the same love language it's actually quite rare mm -hmm. that couples have the exact same um just to put just to create around just to create around what you were saying mm -hmm. is the the whole idea around keeping a, a spark alive over time among busy schedules is asking continuously asking yourself the question, how do I make her happy? How do I make my spouse happy? And it's something that must go for the both of you. Um, we get really attached to how do I become happy? You know, and we get really in our own world and space and our own mind about, well, am I happy right now? <laughs> is there is there a time where I will be happier, right? Am I like and, and like analyzing that to death and also making it your partner's responsibility to make you happy. I think a lot of couples fall into that trap that my happiness is contingent upon someone else showing me a certain level of love or expressing love. 
But if we actually turned it around and said, and took responsibility for that and said, love is the responsibility of the person that has it in mind. How do I then make Emma happy? How do I, in my case, make Gary happy, who's my husband? You know, my husband, um, his love language is physical touch. You know, it's not mine. It's not mine. But I do know that for him, his experience, he experiences love when I massage him, when I hold his hand, you know, when we have intimate time together for him, it's like, it's the fuel to his fire. And so when he experiences that level of passion, um, that I'm committed to his love language and his love tank being full, it's pretty juicy. Like, <laughs> it's like unmistakable uh, fireworks in that, in that respect, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. No, and it's... Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's so key. It's it's such a it's such a key thing to understand about the people in. I mean, like I said, in my life, once I understood it, it was really uh, an eye opener in a lot of ways. Because mm -hmm. I did go around thinking, well, everyone should just want what I want or like the way yeah. I want it. And could you repeat what you said about love real quickly? Because I don't want to lose that either. You <laughs> said love is, and then you said a whole bunch of things in a row, and I was like, whoa, like what is that? So what I was saying about love is love is the responsibility of the person who has it in mind. So if you're someone that wants to reignite the spark in your love life, then it is your responsibility to do that uh, and not leaving it in the hands of someone else. You must be the one to like start that car and start driving it. Um, don't leave it for your, don't make it the responsibility of your partner, your partner, when they feel loved, when they really, truly experience your love, they will jump on board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they will jump on board that love train. I promise. <laughs> board the love train. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And then, um, yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's really so many key things around, you know, the initiation of love and not waiting for it and giving it, like you said, like giving that love. Um, yeah. which I think can be a offering can, it. Yeah. Offering the love, which can be a mm -hmm. challenge for people. I think you because know, we're so. stingy because mm. <laughs> we're stingy and we're always expecting other people to show up for us first, or we have like this cost, like what, what is it called in the financial world? A, 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 a cost, um, oh, um cost benefit analysis, cost benefit analysis. I'm, 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 uh, I'm appealing to your, to your tribe here, Galen, a cost benefit analysis, you know, that kind of mindset doesn't necessarily work inside of a romantic love relationship. Just be love for your partner and ask yourself the key question. How do I make them happy? What is something that would make them happy today? Even a little thing that could make them happy today. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> And, you know, what are some of just your final thoughts around, you know, keeping this going, final thoughts around the lives of, I mean, I, I like, I forgot to highlight what you said earlier about busy being sort of a state of mind, like you, you changed it from I'm busy, uh, but I'm busy, so I can't do this. Instead, you said I'm busy and I can do this. And I like that yeah. reframe of but and and. And so beyond that, like, what do you think are, are the key sort of, you know, or final steps to, okay, we're reigniting the spark, we're, we're busy people, um, you know, what, what are some final ideas you have around that? Well, one of, one of the things I wanted to point out is, I think in relationships, and when we've been in long-term relationships, like we're talking, you know, five plus years, now we're going into 10 or 20 years, 
there may be an expectation in your in your relationship that you must always be in fanatically in love with each other like and that your relationship is on like this upward trend, right? <laughs> it's climbing, like the affection and the intensity of love that you feel must be climbing over time. Or that it should be like flat and consistent, like the prairies. <laughs> and, you know, I just want, I just want you to consider that that's a, that's a point of view. And it's not necessarily like realistic, you know, relationships in nature do have an up and down sort of um, experience. And some days you're going to really feel loving and other days you won't. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing to fix or change um, that some days you won't want to express love. It's not realistic to think that every day you're going to be this loving, you know, romantic Romeo that's like out to, you know, like completely transform your love life. It's, it's not realistic. So what I would actually say to that is get a coach. <laughs> like, you know, if you're someone that's really committed to turning your relationship around, reigniting the spark, or you're someone that has been struggling to find a relationship that's really a match for your values, what you want to create and build in your life, get a coach. Um, you know, you can, you can call me. I'm, I am uh, easily, um, reachable on Instagram at Love Train Company and also on Facebook at The Love Train. And I wanted to just put in that I am hosting a free group coaching call on December the 5th. It's from 10 to 11 a.m. And Galen, I'm going to be giving you the link for people to register for free to that. And it's such a special group coaching call. It involves like all the members of my love train community. Of course, we're always welcoming new people and I'll be leading um, the coaching call along with my husband. And it's a very juicy topic around dealing with rejection, how to handle rejection in, in dating and in your, and in your love relationships. So I invite all of your listeners to, uh, to register early because we have limited spots and it gets full really quick. Awesome. So definitely, like I said, I've been to one of your coaching workshops. They are phenomenal. And so this is something people can join from all over the world, right? Yep. December yep. 5th, 10 to 11 a.m. Zoom call with the Love Train yeah, community. Yeah, it's Eastern time and yeah. Eastern time. Eastern yep. time, right. And mm -hmm. then you'll, and then I'll pop the registration link so people can register for that. Perfect. And, uh, to, and dealing with rejection, that's phenomenal. I, uh, yes. That's a, that's a big one. <laughs> so I'll be sure to, <laughs> it's a big one. I'll be, I'll be sure to have that link there and uh, yeah, I'll be sure to put that in there. No, I'm a huge fan of coaching for lots of reasons. <laughs> One, because I coach my clients and two, because yeah. for a lot of people, they're not likely going to see a big shift unless there is a third party or like another person who's, uh, you know, not only at the table with sort of a impartial or, you know, like a different point of view, but also someone who's just been through it a lot of times. Like that's the beauty mm -hmm. of a coach. Like, you know, coaches yeah. might go to the Olympics 10 times, but you're not going to meet an athlete that's gone to the Olympics 10 times. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, I don't know if there's ever been an Olympic coach, but like, you know, the championships that they've gone for like 20, 30 years, yeah. but then it's not the same people every time. So like, that's the beauty I'm really realizing of coaches is it's like coaches have been there so many times with so many people yeah. that they have such insight. And I know that you have tons of insight into this topic. And <laughs> so I want to make sure that everyone knows where to follow you. So Instagram, uh, so at love train company. Yes. And then Facebook. And Facebook. Yeah. Love, love train, train company. Yeah. Uh, love train. Okay. And then yeah. um, for sure, 
So the upcoming workshop, I will put it in the links wherever this is posted. And, but I'm just, I mean, I follow you on Instagram. So, I mean, I love the stuff that pops up there. And I know that you're big, like whenever you have an event or a workshop coming up, it's like there and easy to see and easy to find. So definitely I encourage everyone to follow Sabrina at Love Train Company, um, Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, thank you so much for, for joining me. This was tons of insight, reminding me I need to brush up on the love languages a little bit, mm -hmm. um, ask myself mm -hmm. some of those questions about how to, um, how to give more, like give love freely, offer love freely and um, ask myself that question. Don't be so stingy, Galen. Don't be so stingy, I'm so stingy, so stingy. <laughs> and not really. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Like, I mean, it's funny because a week, week and change ago, I um, started writing a thank you note to start every day. Like part of my morning routine now is I write a thank you note to someone every day. And it is definitely helping me push out of my, you know, just kind of default of I'm going through life. I'm all by myself, you know, sort of like this is me and my life, but it's this thank you note thing. Cause I'll think, Oh my gosh, who am I going to write a thank you note to? Like, I'm going to start running out of people and I'm not going to run out of people, but it's awesome. So I feel like this is a very similar thing of the thank you note every day, thanking someone for something every day, being grateful for something and every day being like, how can I offer love um, freely? Um, because there is that, um, well, we didn't go into it, but uh, I've seen your posts around, you know, the, the, the fear of giving love freely of, or like yes. what can come behind that of, oh, I've been hurt before, or, you know, what if I care more than that other person does, like all yeah. those fears that come up. And uh, certainly the times in my life when I've pushed past that, it's been uh, wonderful things have come of it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This was a huge pleasure. And I look forward to working with you again, Galen, and your Absolutely. community. Awesome. All right. Take care. Thank you. Hi there. Thanks so much for having checked out this episode of A Clean Bill of Wealth. I really hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out galenhelpsdocs.com. If you're a doctor, you're going to get my video series where I talk about why traditional financial planning advice is failing Canadian doctors. And if you're not a doctor and still want some awesome information about financial planning for Canadians, be sure to go to gnutall.com. That's G-N-U-T-T-A-L-L.com to download your free 30-minute guide to Canadian financial planning. Take care, and I'll see you in the next episode.